0: Hey, it's B. Back from square one. Regulated. Life is still upside down. And as I've been experimenting through conventional and unconventional mental health, I'm reporting back. This time, with good news. Ready to rock, drop, and roll. (laughs) So don't get burnt. The divorce, the jail, the affairs, and my attempt to swing, I mean sing. Our lives will always be on fire, so why not raise the real race and break the matrix? Maybe this is how it starts. As we unfuck ourselves, let's find a way out. They don't care about you, so stop giving a fuck about them. So tell me a little bit about your story. I know there was a, definitely a tragedy in your story that impacted you into your own journey of mental health, right?
1: Yeah, so uh, in 2019, we had a, a really big really big bad hurricane hit the Bahamas uh biggest one on record for the Bahamas category five hurricane Dorian in September of 2019 we knew it was coming we prepared we did everything that we were supposed to do and and then the storm hit and all help broke loose we even though we were expecting the weather we weren't expecting the storm surge that we got um so the the Wind started to get bad September 1st, around 10 p.m. Uh, no big deal. Hunker down in our house. We've got hurricane-proof windows. Everything's closed up. We're safe. And uh, around about 4 o'clock in the morning, we were getting up checking, and we noticed that the water had risen, like, really mm. a lot. Our home was located on one of the saltwater canals in Grand Bahama Island. And, um, we built our house up because we were near the water. We did know that flooding was something that would happen eventually. So we built our house, uh, up on a nice high foundation, all of contractors and engineers told us, okay, you're good. You're more than high (laughs) enough. You're good. Four o'clock that morning, we had ocean starting to come inside our house. And that point would have been about 10 feet above sea level. It just started to go nuts, right? I mean, oh, my God, there's water in the house. Well, how are we going to save the things that need saving? Let's put the photo albums up on the highest shelf we have in the house. Let's make sure and and secure all of, you know, the stuff that we can try to save. It's going to be annoying. We're going to have, you know, ankle-high water for a few hours. That's annoying. It'll be fine. But then the water didn't stop rising. It just kept rising. It kept rising. We had an inch of water and then we had two inches of water and then we had ankle high and then we had knee high. And, uh, when we got to about, you know, thigh high and waist high, it's like, um, right. We're, we're in trouble. We're, we're in a lot of trouble. We're in a category five hurricane is 185 mile per hour winds outside. And at that point we're talking seven, eight foot of ocean completely surrounding the house. There's nowhere to go. No one can come and get us in the middle of that. We're, we're stuck and we're by ourselves. My, uh, my wife and our six-year-old daughter and our five dogs. Oh, my God. Wow, I'm so sorry. I'm sure that's still painful, right? It is. It is. I've, I've talked about it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I've been to a lot of therapy to be able to talk about it a lot. Um, but every time I tell the story, it's still, my chest still gets tight.
0: I'm sure it's, it's very, you're unrooting completely everything. There's really nowhere to
1: go. No, nowhere to go. And to where did you guys hide? We couldn't, we were kind of just walking around the house. We, we were sitting on our kitchen countertops for a long time. Like we had a nice big Island in our kitchen. And so We had our six-year-old and three of the five dogs on top of the kitchen island, like trying to stay reasonably dry, only not really. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other two dogs were floating on our dining room table, and (laughs) we're we're just, there's nothing we can do. When when the water got to countertop height and there was no hiding from the water anymore, um, we actually put out like a formal SOS, we're in trouble, we need help. Knowing that, what does that look like? I'm sorry. Knowing that no one could come, mm-hmm. but we still like, okay, we need help. And that was a Facebook post with photographs of the inside of our house <laughs> and wow. uh, phone calls to family and friends. And this is how high the water is. Now the water is this high. Now the water is this high. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was our SOS. And that was about, uh, 10 o'clock that morning. Water started at 4am, 10 o'clock that morning, six hours Okay, we're in trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. Uh, the water kept rising. And it got to a point where fear clouded logical thought entirely. And tunnel vision started happening. And I, I need to, we need to save our How? What are we going to do? We're going to drown. Um, thankfully, all of us are really good swimmers. My six-year-old was a really good swimmer. Um, I mean, at six, she could dive down 12 feet in a, in a, in a diving pool. So she was a, she's a good swimmer. I didn't have to worry about her, you know, drowning as long as we had breathing space, but the water kept rising. And then the fear was, well, what happens if the water reaches the ceiling? We, we, we won't be able to breathe. Uh, so we decided that we were going to go outside the house because at least then we could keep maybe our heads above the water. And the fear was that if the water got high enough to, to cause pressure in the windows and the doors, that we wouldn't be able to open them anymore. Because that's what happens, right? You sink a car in a river or something, mm-hmm. you can't get out because of the pressure. Uh, so we decided to go outside. And we went outside through a window, uh, basically swam out of the house because the window was already under the water. And, uh, floated with like, uh, um, some patio furniture and a kid's pool float and some, some floating, you know, stuff that was just, that we could hold onto a cooler and, and, uh, had extension cords wrapped around ourselves to try and tie us together so that we couldn't get separated with five dogs and our six-year-old screaming. I want to go back in. I don't want to die. It's, I'm sure it's, it's still very traumatic for her. Yeah. She's, uh, she's probably doing the best of the three of us, <laughs> believe it or not, but that's kids, <laughs> that's, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, we did that for about 30 minutes before deciding that we were going to drown outside long before the hurricane came and went. I'm also thinking the wind, fa- was the wind the factor? The, the, the waves were the factor. Okay. So we we had a little bit of, of, um, of cover because we were under our covered porch that had like sides to it, more, more like, an, a, like a lanai. And um, so the, we were out of most of the wind, but the waves kept crashing into us, crashing into us. And we couldn't keep our heads above water because the waves were getting us. Uh, so 30 minutes of that, longest 30 minutes of my entire life. Uh, We gave up that idea and went back into the house again, had to dive under the water to swim through the window to get back in. So we we got back in the house and then the only choice was the attic. And we had been terrified about going to the attic the entire time because again, there's no way out of the attic. There's no, no dormer windows. It's just a sheet metal covered roof. There's no way out once you go in there. If the water comes up there, you're going to drown in the attic. But we didn't have anywhere to go. We were going to drown inside the house, and the attic was above the house, so we crossed our fingers that the water was not going to come that far and proceeded to get all of us and the five dogs into the attic. And once we got in the attic, we were there for 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. At eleven thirty a.m. on September the second, twenty nineteen, we did not come out of the attic until eleven thirty a.m. on the the next day, the third. And the whole time we were in the attic, it was just, is the roof going to hold? Is the is the roof going to rip off? Is the water going to come up this high? And the water kept rising, and we we watched the ladder, and we'd, we'd lose another step, and we'd lose another step. And eventually the water reached ceiling height. If we had stayed in the house, we would have drowned in the house. There was no more breathing space inside the house. But the water, the water stopped at ceiling height. It didn't come into the attic with us. Uh, and... The, the big factor for the length of time with the storm versus others was that it actually stopped moving. Hurricanes move forward at a few miles per hour three, four, five, ten, if you're lucky, and this moved really fast. This one stopped moving over Grand Bahama Island for 24 hours. A 185 mile an hour wind just kept blowing. Uh, so we, we sat in the darkness with a terrified six-year-old and traumatized, terrified dogs and a package of Ritz crackers and some peanut butter. And that's what we had for 24 hours. I will never eat peanut butter again. <laughs> I will never eat peanut butter again. <laughs> um, the night was really long. Like, it was dark in the attic anyway. But once the little bit of sunlight that was coming in kind of disappeared the night was really long and dark and you could not see your hand like two inches from your face it was just black and it was uncomfortable there was no place to really sit all of the the attic structures all like cross beams and every two feet there's another piece of wood and don't bang your head if you move and don't step in the wrong place because you're actually going to fall through the sheetrock uh it was really uncomfortable, and the whole time we're in the attic, is the roof going to hold? Is that a tornado I hear? Is it blowing more now than it was two seconds ago? So 24 hours of just pure terror, am I going to die? And then around 5 a.m. the next morning, we looked at the water level and saw that it had dropped just a little. And that was the, (sighs) we're going to be okay. The water's going away now. That means the storm's leaving. We're, we are alive. We're going to be okay. The last six hours that we were in the attic was painstaking. It's a really long time. We, we, we wanted to get out, but we couldn't because it was still too much water. And then we had no idea what it looked like below. I mean, we've just had all of this wind and water and what's, I mean, at this point, what's safe, right? Uh, so we waited until most of the water had gone out of the house. We came down the ladder, uh, 1130 AM. There was still ankle deep water, uh, brought our daughter down, brought the dogs down, put everybody on the bed, stay there. Don't move. There's broken glass everywhere. As we're walking, we're crunching. It's like someone's going to get cut or hurt. Just stay put. And my wife and I sort of started to walk around the house. And, like, what we saw isn't even comprehensible. I mean, a washing machine went through our entire house for 24 hours. Everything's wet. Everything's broken. Everything's covered in sewage and salt water and seaweed and God knows what else. Uh, and then there was a voice. We turned and there was someone standing in scuba gear on our back porch. Our entire back porch is still underwater, but there's a person standing there. Uh, we, this was a real person. I, I wondered for a second there if it was, if it was not a hallucination. Um, but he took off his mask and his goggles and his, his, you know, face coverings. It's like, are you guys okay? We knew who it was. A friend of ours was like, we're, we're here to, we're here to get you. We, no one's heard from you guys in 24 hours. You're the first people we've stopped to, we're the, we've just come out to start looking to help people. You're the first stop. We went by boat when we were still in 75, 80 mile per hour wind. They came and got us. We had to swim from the house to the canal, to the boat with the dogs and the six-year-old to get in the boat. Um, The entire, it was a, a grassroots rescue long before like actual organized rescues were happening. And uh, they came and got us, and they, they took us to a shelter. So our neighbor, our closest neighbor, was about 600 feet. Uh, they had a second story. They, were, they had a second story to go to, and so they, they were fine. They stayed dry. We debated during the middle of the storm our ability to swim to them. Can we, can we do it? Can we, can we leave the house and swim with the six-year-old and five dogs? Someone's going to drown.
0: Amazing. So if you found your, your neighbor in your living room or your bedroom, um, fully geared in a
1: scuba diving suit, that must've been really, really impressive. It was like, we, we couldn't figure out where he had come from because he just like magically appeared. He couldn't possibly have swam there. Uh, but you know, he was like, are you guys okay? Is Hazel okay? Are the dogs? Okay. We're here to get you. Who's we? Oh, I'm here with the boat. You just the boat's around the corner because it's like really windy and they need to stay in the cove and they'll come back when we're ready. Okay, we're ready. Let's go. (laughs) It took a couple of tries because the weather was so bad. The boat was too small to be out in that kind of weather. The the bilge pump that was supposed to be pumping the water out of the boat was malfunctioning. So the boat was risking sinking as they were coming to get us. So uh, there was a lot of sort of move fast, get in. Doesn't matter if you get hurt, just get in. Uh, but we managed to do it with only some bruises in the process. Unfortunately. Yeah. Did, were you able to take something with you? Did you have, were you able to come back? We, we came back to the house the next day. So mm-hmm. when we left, we left with just us and the dogs, nothing. Um, You have small dogs? We have, we had four small dogs and a medium-sized dog.
0: Wow. I mean, carrying and maneuvering a small dog through all of that is, I'm sure it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So you came back to the home. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You came back to, to your home the following day. What did that look like?
1: It looked like there was nothing, nothing left. It looked like... Everything was ruined. Everything was broken. There was nothing. And and the hopelessness set in the second you walked in. It's like there, there's there's nothing. Everything's gone. Everything was wet or broken. The furniture was moved to different parts of the house and smashed. Our living room couch was sitting on our kitchen island. Just... The insane things of, uh, you know, all of our wooden entertainment centers had been torn apart and upside down and smashed. And things from one part of the house were in another part of the house and buried under mud and seaweed. All of the photo albums that I had wrapped in plastic bags and put on the very top shelf disappeared entirely.
0: Did you ever find them?
1: Uh, photo albums, No. <laughs> Oh, so
0: they're
1: they're long gone. Yeah, there were were a lot of things that just, the hurricane took them. Now, whether they ended up in the bushes two houses down or in the middle of the ocean or halfway to Bermuda, no one knows. Absolutely.
0: So from that point on, what did your life look like? You know, you come in and you absolutely had
1: nothing. I'm assuming you had to start all over. We did. We did. We uh we evacuated out of the island 48 hours after the storm. Uh by small plane, one of the first uh supply planes that came in to bring supplies for people on the island, we were able to get on one of those and get out to Florida. Uh for us it was the best thing to do was just to remove ourselves from it was a complete disaster zone. Parts of the island were okay. The part that flooded looked like a bomb went off. Electricity was not going to be restored for weeks or months. Running water was an issue. We just, we couldn't imagine trying to deal with the trauma while dealing with the aftermath. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we evacuated to Florida and started looking at, you know, what are we, what are we going to do? there's no, there's no home left. The home's gone. We very quickly, the, uh, the structural engineers and, and insurance folks came, which we were very lucky with. We had our house fully insured for hurricane damage. They came, had it inspected and said, it's, there's no fixing that. So, uh, we just decided we were never going to do it again. You were done? We were We were <laughs> don't done. blame you. We were just, we were done. And prior to Hurricane Dorian, we had had issues um, as a same-sex family living in the Bahamas. There are still laws that, are, that do discriminate against LGBTQ plus folks. Um, but we had chosen to stay because we wanted to give our daughter the island childhood that we had. But after Dorian, it was it just wasn't worth it. So we left, and we we went to Canada, where we had immigration opportunities and uh, open-minded folks that supported same-sex families. But what has that been for
0: you? You know, being a same-sex parent, being in a same-sex relationship, trying to maneuver through a family. And, in, and we're in very modern times because 20 years ago, this was unconceivable. I mean, it was conceivable, but it was very difficult, especially for women. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think it was a little more popular, perhaps more trendy uh, for gay couples than for lesbian couples. What has that been for you now that you have left the island? How is that different for
1: you now in Canada? And especially for your daughter. Within a week of arriving in Canada, where we knew no one, <laughs> uh, within a week, she turned to us and she said, I really like Canada. Oh, <laughs> that's that's, awesome. that's great. Why do you like Canada so much? Well, they see us as a family here. Mm-hmm. Six years old.
0: Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And that's,
1: and mm-hmm. that's, that's it. It's, we're better off mm-hmm. here for her. Because when I say to someone, oh, my wife does such and such, no one bats an eye. Oh, great. Yeah, tell your wife I said hi. Well, she's not what, 12? Uh, she's 10 now.
0: Okay. So, I mean, she's going to her preteen yep. years, and that's definitely going to be a ball changer for her yes, as well. for sure. Mm-hmm. Quick question. I'm very curious. Do you, so do you still own the land we, in the Bahamas? We do not. We sold it. Okay. Believe it or not,
1: completely... there was someone that wanted to buy it. <laughs> hey,
0: there's people buying stuff from
1: Hawaii, unfortunately. Isn't that sad? It is. It's so sad because the, the these kind of um, disasters happen. The folks who have suffered them wash their hands and say, we're done. The market value of those things plummets instantly. Someone comes along, grabs it up for pennies on the dollar Um sits on it for ten years and the value is increased. <laughs> of course, because nobody remembers nobody remembers. hmm Is it's it's
0: insane. So what has so from that point on, you know, what did the assimilation process uh look for you? I know you moved days after, you know, but you started in a life which had its purpose, but there's definitely that aftermath of just being unrooted from where you had been for eight and nine generations, where you had childhood, where you had the love for the scenery and giving that up for your daughter, you know, what did that look like for you from a mental health point of view? From
1: a mental health point of view, it was not good. (laughs) It was really not good. It was, it was a lot of just push through, just get through today. Just push through. Don't feel it. Don't lose your mind. Just do the, do the things that need to be done, get the logistics sorted out, get your immigration sorted, find a place to live, get her in school, just one step in front of the other without taking into consideration mental health at all for way too long.
0: And what has that journey looked for you and your wife?
1: Uh, so we we got our daughter into uh, therapy before either one of us wrapped our brain around it for ourselves. It's like she she needs it before we do she needs to we need to make sure that she's okay this is a lifelong scar for her at six um so we got her into into talk therapy into play therapy um she really connected with her therapist uh Mm. they used drawing and games and things to get her to talk about how she was feeling about the storm and she she really therapy worked really well for her Um, for us, it was a, a slower process of finding the right therapist, being willing to let go and open up with it. And for me, what worked was I, my therapist said, Oh, you're a writer. Yeah. I write poetry sometimes. Okay. Tell, write a story about what happened. Oh, okay. And that's how my therapy really took a turn for, oh, uh, this is going to work. I wrote out minute by minute, chapter by chapter, every single thing that happened in full detail. And my therapist had me read it out loud to her again and again and again. And every time I'd read it, I'd hold my breath and I'd turn purple and I'd get a migraine and I'd do all the things that you do when you're forced to face trauma. But the repetition of that helped and in the end doing all of that writing it 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 almost turned itself into a book so I uh I ended up writing the story and and creating a, a full memoir over the course of two and a half years completed memoir has that helped you? Or oh, you know, do
0: you feel like you've overcome that trauma, or do you still feel you linger through a couple of pieces? There's
1: still there's still linger. Um, there's still I still have more anxiety post trauma than I did before. Um, I still tend to struggle to sit still. I rush through life. If I walk from point A to point B, I'm rushing, even though I don't need to um it's all lingering anxiety from the trauma um one of the things that i found is that post trauma i have a bit of ADD that i didn't have before which is common and uh common in trauma survivors um i thought for a while i was losing my hearing i thought okay i'm 40 maybe i'm just you know that's what i'm going to have for age i'm losing my hearing couldn't hear my daughter sitting behind me in the car talking Went and had my hearing tested. Technician says, no, there's nothing wrong with your hearing. So why can't I hear her? He says, you're you're not processing sound the way that you used to. One of the symptoms of ADHD is trouble focusing on sounds. So my long-term post-trauma, post-Dorian is multitasking with sounds I can't do. I can't listen to my daughter speak behind me with the radio on while I'm driving. I can't do it. I can't sit in an office and try to talk on a phone if there's anyone else in the room speaking. So that's why I have your headphones? Yeah, headphones help. Okay, makes
0: absolute sense. Yes. I'll I'll share something with you. Um, I have had um, triggered with anxiety. And at a point, I think it affected my speech. I slurred literally. And so it's that fight or flight where it doesn't allow for some of our um, senses to kick in. And so unfortunately for you, it was speech. For, I mean, for me, it was speech, for you, it was hearing. And I um, I completely understand that struggle because you really think you're going crazy. Did your wife, if, if you feel comfortable sharing, does she have any adjustments uh, Uh, did she have any trouble adjusting to the normal life?
1: Yeah. Depression, depression has, has been with us for four years. That's unfortunate. I'm so sad. We have, we all have our ups and downs and we have those weeks where it's just everything feels hopeless. Um, and I've struggled with, with depression at certain points over the last four years myself as well. Um, I found that gratitude has been my cure remaining really grateful for the miracles that we, we were given. The uh, the death toll in the Bahamas um, is right around 70. 70 folks died from Hurricane Dorian. Wow. It, it could very easily have been us. We could have been three of those people. We, we made it out without broken legs or broken arms or major lacerations or head injuries We came away with some bruises and a skin rash. How do you survive something like that with just bruises? Mm -hmm. Um, We had the the coping skills and the wherewithal to pick up and move to another country post-trauma. Lots of people lived in tents with no electricity on the island for months, years post-Orient because they didn't have the ability to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And so reminding myself to be grateful for those things and to be grateful for the beauty that I have here. It's not the Bahamas beauty. It's not, (laughs) it's not the turquoise waters. It's not the white (laughs) sand. It's not the beautiful fish, but it's beautiful in its own right. We live right near a river. It's a, it's a beautiful view. It's water. It's not ocean, but I stare at it a lot and pretend it's ocean. (laughs) Uh, and so, just reminding myself to see those little things and and remember to be grateful for everything that helps. Absolutely.
0: Question: Do you feel guilty?
1: I did for a while. I did for I. There was a lot of guilt um, in the first year. A lot of guilt of, of why did I make that decision of why did I choose to go outside? Why, that was a silly decision. Why did I do that? It could have been easier if I had just done this. It would have been easier if I had left the island. It would have been easier if I had, had, had not chosen to stay, even though I didn't know that was going to happen. There was a lot of guilt initially and therapy helped with the, you know, it was tunnel vision. It was fear making decisions. It was fly, fight or flight reactions. You don't get to beat yourself up. What's next for you? What's next is I'm, I'm hoping that I can get my memoir published. I'm working really hard on uh, building an online presence and trying to get noticed by literary agents. I would, I would love to see this book become something that's sitting on the shelf in Barnes & Noble. Where can your new fans find you? Uh, I'm okay. on Instagram, uh, Tara Pyfrom. I am on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I have been doing... Uh, a fair amount of freelance writing. And so um, my website has links to all of my freelance writing. Uh, It's uh, tarapyfrom.com. So nice and easy to find. Well, thank you so much. You know, I really
0: appreciate And I I really value the opportunity to sharing your story, especially one being that it's still very sensitive and that I know you're working through your own uh, support systems to really um, have the opportunity to desensitize a little bit from, from that trauma you had. So thank you for being here. That's it, folks. Maybe this is how it starts for you, I, and anyone else in our journey. Hope you like this content. Please follow, download, and share. Thanks for listening. See you next time.